Specialty Story, session number 54. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast is here to tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. And today I have a great interview with a general academic OBGYN. Now this is somebody who I went to medical school with. Dr. Esther Coy is going to talk about her role as an academic general OBGYN, why she chose academic medicine, and why she chose OBGYN. She's going to talk all about what you should be thinking about if you're interested in getting into OBGYN. We start the conversation by talking about what interested her in OBGYN. I like working with women. I like the kind of comprehensive care that OBGYNs provide. And I also love surgery. So it, it was kind of a good mix of both the patient side and the continuity of care, as well as the surgical aspect of care. Why? What was it about the OBGYN? Because you could have gone into general surgery and had continuity of care somewhat in in some uh, specific situations, the surgery aspect. Right. So, I mean, I think specifically working with women and women's issues and women's health, sexual health, um, you know, I do a lot of counseling in the office, contraceptive counseling, and, and, you know, you find a lot of women who, you know, may not feel comfortable talking to their friends or mothers or families um, or even a male provider about um, a certain aspects of their sexual health and and they and they'll they'll open up to a gynecologist they'll open up to um, you know to someone who's listening specifically for certain things so when did you realize that this was the path for you I realized my fourth year of medical school what were you doing uh, elective rotation or or what well so I had finished my OBGYN rotation third year and I was towards the end of my third year and I had already applied to all of my uh, neuro electives because I thought I was going to into neurology and then um, my last rotation third year was PEDS so I um, actually realized in the middle of my pediatric rotation that I was much more interested in, um, like, the maternal fetal aspect of things and, and that I missed the labor floor and that I had actually had so much fun on my OB rotation. And so I ended up fourth year canceling all of my fourth year electives and, and reapplying for OBGYN. Did that hurt you in the end to apply for those electives so late? No. That's good. It was kind of a scramble, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was able to pull through. <laughs> Made it work. Good job. Yeah. Thanks. What, what <laughs> traits do you think lead to being a good OBGYN? What traits? I think that in order to be a good OBGYN, you have to overall be a good clinician. You have to have like, you know, that clinical acuity. 
I think you also have to be able to act fast. I mean, kind of similar to, you know, emergency medicine where it's where you have to be able to respond fast and you have to be able to recognize that this is a emergency and call your team in and all that. So um, I think that's definitely part of uh, what makes an OBGYN go. And then also just being able to be flexible and to be able to go between your OB and GYN patients, meaning being able to switch back and forth from doing prenatal care to doing a pap smear and all that. So it's you have to be a little bit flexible. As an academic OBGYN, do you have the opportunity to say, okay, I I'm kind of tired of OB. I just want to focus on GYN at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it depends on your department. But yes, you can certainly say, you know, I want to focus more on GYN. I want to do more teaching. Um, I'm going to have other people refer their hysterectomies to me and refer and create that referral base. So yeah, absolutely. Why did you choose to go into academic medicine versus going out in the community? I think part of it was that I love teaching and I love teaching not just my patients, but I also love teaching residents and medical students. And you really only get that in the academic setting. Um, we ha- we do a lot of grand rounds and, and statistics and um, a lot of academic activities that are kind of sprinkled in throughout my week. So, and I enjoy those activities. Did you ever consider the community and go out and see what that was like, or did, were you committed to academics the whole time? I did. I interviewed at a couple of private practices and at a few um, FQHCs, and um, they just weren't for me. I mean, I think part of it, too, is I like the thrill of just being in a high, high action-packed, kind of, you know, high-risk academic center, because so you also kind of see all the cool um crazy. You see all the cool, crazy stuff out there. I mean, <laughs> you're getting all the referrals for accretas and, you know, the cardiomyopathies and the really intricate kind of medical puzzles. Yeah. So let's talk about those puzzles. As as a academic OBGYN, what sorts of patients are you seeing? Pathologies are you treating? I think I see a pretty wide range. I'm at a pretty big academic center. So you know, we do, we're an accreta center, um, so we see a lot of placenta accretas. We do their hysterectomies. Um, we have a level one NICU, so, um, you know, we are able to deliver very premature infants. And our MFM team, our maternal fetal medicine team, is very uh, well-developed. So we have, uh, you know, we have a lot of, uh, we have a large referral base. Describe a typical week for you. So Mondays, I have the morning off and then to do my paperwork and it's my non-contact time. Monday afternoons, I precept the residents in clinic. Tuesday mornings, um, we have our academic day. So stats, grand rounds. Um, And then I have usually my own panel in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I precept again, Chief Continuity Clinic. And by, Wednesday, pan- by panel, you mean just a, a clinic? My own patients, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then Wednesdays and Thursdays, I see my own patients. Usually Wednesday nights, twice a, twice a month, I'm on call. So twice a, 
month, I'm post-call on Thursdays. And then Fridays, I'm in the hospital either covering labor and delivery or doing um, doing OR cases. What would determine why sometimes you have clinic with residents and sometimes you have them just yourself? Um, it's personal preference, really. I mean, I... I chose to be a clinic preceptor and, um, you know, I, I enjoy the teaching. I enjoy seeing patients with the residents. So, you know, that's kind of just how I fulfill my academic duties. Do you have to take a lot of call? I take three overnight calls a month. Um, one is a 24 hour shift on a weekend and then the other two are 15 hour shifts. What does that call look like? Usually are you in the hospital the whole time? Yes, it's in-house call. It is basically I'm there with the residents and um, they kind of see all the patients, um, triage them and present them to me. And then I will go and reevaluate and go over anything else that they may have missed or may have not thought about. Um, it's usually pretty, I mean, it depends on it depends on the the hospital that I'm at, and it depends on the day, obviously. But it can get pretty busy um, to where I get no sleep at all, and it can be it can also be every once in a while very chill and laid back. For your GYN patients that you're seeing in clinic, what percentage of those patients are you actually then doing procedures on, taking to the OR, et cetera? So for me, it's a little bit higher than I think most people because two of those days, so my Wednesdays and Thursdays, I'm actually at a, um, at a site where I'm the, the GYN consult. So all the patients that I see have already been screened by a family medicine or internal medicine provider, and they've referred them to me because they need, you know, additional workup or, or they're a little bit more complicated. So I only see GYN patients that are more complicated on those days. So I think I have a disproportionately high number of um, of GYN uh, patients that I end up doing procedures on. I would say maybe a third to a half, I would say, I end up booking for cases. Everyone else is kind of either medical management or routine kind of stuff. Do you feel like you have enough time for family? I never feel like I have enough time for family. But, um, I mean, I think it's a, the work-life balance is, is what you make of it. I mean, I think, you know, if you're able to, you know, utilize your vacations well and, and utilize your, I mean, I'm not on call that often. I'm on, I have one weekend of call a month. So the rest of the weekends I get to spend time with my family. Um, so I, I think overall it's, it's better than if I were in private practice. Um, I think I certainly have more kind of free time in that sense. What does the training path look like to become an OBGYN? So medical school, four years of residency. And then, um, you know, if you want to specialize, then uh, we have, um, you know, two to three year fellowships. What are those fellowships? So there's family planning, there's GYN oncology, there's maternal fetal medicine, urogynecology, minimally invasive surgery. And there's also reproductive endocrinology and infertility. What does family planning fellowship train you to do? To plan families. 
um, it's usually like contraceptive counseling. Um, it's like IUD placements. It's dilation curatages, dilation and evacuations, terminations, things like that. How competitive is OBGYN? I don't think it's one of the more competitive residencies. I would say certainly depends on the program. I think it's probably mid-range. I, I would think it would probably be around like similar to like emergency medicine or something. Being at, at an academic center, what sort of things are you looking for in students when you're evaluating applicants? We're looking for someone who's willing to put a lot of time and effort into this residency because it does suck up a lot of your time. Um, you know, as far as kind of research and things go, we're not really a huge research um, center. So, so you know, you can do academic research um, at my program, but it's not a program that kind of turns out, um, you know, academic literature or anything like that. But really, I mean, we're looking for people who are able to see a high volume of patients or, and are willing to deal with very kind of patients with high like morbidity and, and, you know, who are obese and have multiple medical problems and people who are just ultimately going to be happy here. How do you evaluate that for somebody who's doing an elective rotation, a medical student? I think it's always hard because people always put their best face forward or at least should be putting their best face, <laughs> face forward. Hopefully. Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, I think part of it is just a general feel. I think that the residents are pretty, um, pretty clear about whom they click with. So uh, my first move is usually to ask the residents, like, what did you think of this applicant? You know, what did you think of this step by? Did you work well with them? Did they seem interested? Did they seem engaged or were they just kind of checked out in the corner? Um, I think the mark of a good uh, sub-eye is someone who um, is just very kind of very much part of the team, you know, very self-motivated, um, you know, somebody that you would rely on just as much as your your own intern. For the osteopathic student listening to this who wants to go into OBGYN, what sort of negative bias, if any, do you see out there? Hmm. I haven't seen a lot of negative bias, to be honest with you. And I think part of that was because one of the MFMs at my program, who was highly, highly respected and, you know, everybody loved, and he ended up being director of the department at my, um, at my site, was a DO. So I don't um, think there's been a lot of negative bias from my um, institution. But that being said, we don't really have a lot of DO, like we don't have any DO residents. I haven't really encountered any other DO OBGYNs, to be honest with you. So I, I don't really know of any negative bias, but I, I guess that could be a negative bias. Because yeah. I see a lot of DOs in anesthesiology and mm -hmm. they don't, you know, they're doing just fine. So I don't know. What do you wish primary care providers knew more about in the OBGYN world to better help their patients? I wish that they knew more about contraceptive counseling, one, because there are a lot of kind of, you know, rumors or misinformed statements that are floating around out there about, about contraceptives. 
And I guess I also wish that people felt more comfortable talking about uh, and dealing with female anatomy and, and spe- specifically, you know, the genital urinary kind of anatomy. I think it's really a daunting idea to people who don't routinely work in that field. And so I think it's something that people tend to shy away from. But really, there's nothing scary about it. <laughs> it's just <Maybe>. parts. <laughs> Maybe. It's just parts, right? It's like having... It's just parts. When, when we exactly. had uh, Dr. Leonard on talking about, hey, you just have to like poop and talking about poop. You know, it's just, <laughs> just a different part of the body. You just got to like it. It's a part. Yeah. It's a part. What other specialties do you work the closest with? We work closely with urology, um, similar parts, <laughs> and... Um, Emergency medicine, because um, a lot of our patients come through there. And then we have a close relationship with family medicine as well. And then, of course, surgery. Are there any special opportunities outside of the clinical world for OBGYNs? Sure. I mean, I think there's, you know, we do a lot of work in patient safety um, because we have so many obstetric emergency situations. So, um, I think there are opportunities in kind of patient safety and QI. What do you know now that you wish you knew before you went into OBGYN? I think I would tell my medical student self, you're going to work hard. You're going to work really hard, but it's all going to be worth it in the end. I think that the amount of knowledge that you gain and the amount of kind of surgical prowess that you gain is just unbelievable. And it's so rewarding to be able to apply that, you know, on a day-to-day basis. What do you like the most about being an OBGYN? I like the counseling of the patients. I like having them, having that sit down conversation with them where I connect with them and they understand things about their own health that they may not have understood before. I think there's very much an aha moment for every patient where they're like, oh, nobody's ever put it to me like that before. Like, this is something that I didn't even know about my own body. I think that's really rewarding. And then also just, for very selfish reasons. I love doing surgery and, you know, it's kind of immediate gratification kind of thing. What do you like the least? Chronic pelvic pain. <laughs> the the types of patients or that, that come with chronic pelvic pain or treating it? The types of patients, treating it, all of it. It's just very cumbersome and it's difficult to treat and it's very multifactorial and Patients usually get bounced around from place to place and come to you very frustrated because they've tried everything. And um, it's a difficult diagnosis. Would it would it be kind of like the fibromyalgia of the OBGYN world? Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. So lots of patients with, with problems and not a lot of good scientific evidence pointing to why. Exactly. Okay. Well, keep fighting the fight. Thanks. Will do. Do you see any major changes coming to the field of OBGYN that a student should be aware of before they go into it? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of tracking going on, I'm sure in other fields as well, but um, especially in OBGYN, where it's two kind of separate, very separate fields, kind of all mushed together into one. Um, you know, you have your OB side and then you have your gynecological side. And if it if you weren't kind of dealing with the same organs, they would be almost totally separate fields. So I think that's reflected in a, a, a lot in the way that 
um, you know, the entire field is moving both in the academic and in the private world. I think that it's, you're starting to see, whereas before you had more generalists doing both OB and GYN, now you're seeing people doing OB only as laborists or GYN only in the clinic. Um, and it's becoming kind of a more um, divisive field. So I think that is kind of the general trend of things. Kaiser's doing it. Um, you know, a lot of academic centers are doing it. Do you see the future of residencies changing to where students will be applying to OB-specific residencies and GYN-specific residencies? You know, that's interesting. Um, I don't think so, not yet, but potentially down the line, it could be something. I mean, if you think about the field of like GYN oncology, it's just so much different from something like, you know, maternal fetal medicine or family planning. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so different in the nature of, you know, what you do, how you counsel people, what you, you know, what you're trained in the surgical. I mean, it's, it's totally night and day. So Potentially. I mean, I don't see it happening anytime soon, though. Yeah. It reminds me of talking to Dr. Shika Jane. We talked about Hemonk. She's an academic Hemonk and how Mm -hmm. the Hemonk world is kind of splitting now. And and you're starting to get some of those standalone residency programs for just Hem or just Onk. Yeah. It's interesting. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be an OBGYN? Yeah, I would. I love it. I love the people. I love the patients. You know, I, I think it's a great field. I think it's very fast paced and it's very, it can be very intense. Um, but it can also, you can also make it very kind of calm and, and inviting. And, um, you know, I think it's very versatile. Any last words of wisdom for the pre-med or medical student out there listening to this who wants to dive into OBGYN and figure out if it's right for them? I say do it. (laughs) Do it. Be enthusiastic. Be curious. Ask questions. Seek out the puzzles and and really kind of dive right in. I mean, there's no better way to experience something other than just committing 100%. You know, the just it's so rewarding to be able to talk to a patient and have them really hear what you're saying, you know, and have them kind of light up. All right. There you have it again, Dr. Esther Coy, academic general OBGYN. Hopefully, if you're interested in OBGYN, this information was great for you today. Even if you're a primary care physician or looking to go into primary care, you're going to need to know about OBGYN and what OBGYNs do. So hopefully this was some helpful information for you as well. I hope you have a great week. And as a reminder, if you ever have any suggestions of physicians that you want me to interview here on this podcast, just shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Specialty Stories 